you know, for the two or three people in Indiana who do not watch In Focus every Sunday morning, <laughs> they, those the two or three people may not be aware of the whole Curtis Hills controversy. Your rating's gold, Michael. <laughs> rating's gold. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. The challenges we will be dealing with this year, which will be plenty, together we'll find our purpose, we'll find who we are, and we'll find why we're here. Indiana lawmakers back at the State House for Organization Day with another controversy dominating the headlines at the state capitol. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. This week there were new calls for Attorney General Curtis Hill's impeachment as some State House Democrats and Hill's accusers call for him to step down or be removed. It's one of our big stories this morning. Matt Smith has more. Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill at the State House appearing at an event to discuss crime prevention, yet unable to escape the accusations and calls for his resignation and impeachment. They told me I wasn't allowed to be here, which I know isn't true because this is a State House. Allie Brown was one of several women who showed up to hand out the Inspector General's report, detailing accusations by a state lawmaker and three staffers that Hill inappropriately touched the four of them at a bar earlier this year. I wasn't going to be I didn't interrupt. I did not go up to the attorney general. I have honestly no desire to talk to him. But one person did interrupt. But not the end of our mission. We're going to continue this process. That was State Representative Mara Candelaria Reardon shouting resign from a third floor balcony and one of Hill's accusers. The dog and pony show, the propaganda machine that he was running downstairs, I had just had about enough of it. Hill quickly walked away without taking questions. I think the House owes it to the public to show that we don't approve of this conduct as reported and that we stand up for ourselves and our people. How can this gentleman come in front of the legislature and ask for millions of dollars for his office? How is that possible, given his conduct as reported. Democratic State Representative Ed Delaney says he'll introduce a resolution in January to impeach Hill. Two-thirds of lawmakers in each chamber would have to vote for impeachment, which appears unlikely with Republican supermajorities, despite the governor and top Republicans calling on Hill to resign. It'll be up to the voters. I mean, there, there won't be any legislative action to, to force him out. That's a moral and conscience question for them. If they think his ideology is more important than his conduct, they ought to say that. House Speaker Brian Bosma added that it'll be up to all House members to decide, but also added impeachment proceedings, he said, would be a distraction. At the State House, I'm Matt Smith. Back to you. Okay, Matt, thanks. Meantime, this week, the women accusing Hill of groping them are calling for his impeachment and making their voices heard at the State House as lawmakers craft a new policy to prevent sexual harassment. Haley Bull has that part of the story today from the State House. It can't just be let's put a policy on the table, let's put a policy of what kind of consequences are going to result in these kinds of actions. An effort to address sexual harassment prevention moves on from the Legislative Council unanimously, but for these women, it still needs work. We are particularly concerned about whether the Ethics Committee is the appropriate body to oversee the administration of this policy. Very light on detail. It needs to, it needs to have actual procedures and policies to be followed. 
It comes after four women, including three staffers and state representative Mara Candelaria Reardon, accused Attorney General Curtis Hill of inappropriately touching them at a party in March. A special prosecutor didn't file charges against Hill, saying intent wasn't proven. As for what Representative Candelaria Reardon thinks about the policy so far. We have a real and genuine opportunity to make that scope larger. And I'm joined now by Indy Star columnist and opinions editor Suzette Hackney, who wrote the series this week about Curtis Hill's accusers. Suzette, what are they telling you about their experience through this process and what they want to see happen now? They are, they have been through quite a bit. They said this has been one of the worst experiences of their lives. Um, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, they're angry. Uh, you know, the fact that they're going to have to interact with this man and see him in professional settings is very upsetting to them. And so uh, they think he should resign. Do they feel like the system has let them down here? Absolutely. Uh, they understand that there is a certain criminal aspect to it, that the special prosecutor decided that he could not get a battery conviction and decided not to charge. But they still believe that the Indiana General Assembly should step in because Mr. Hill is not willing to resign, so he has to be forced out. Uh, how about that impeachment process? Obviously, we heard some Democrats calling for that at the State House on Tuesday at Organization Day. Really quite a scene. You even had Representative Reardon, one of the accusers, uh, shouting from uh, one of the upper balconies down to Attorney General Hill's press conference, shouting out resign down to him as he gave a press conference on another topic. It, it, it sets up for what could be a, a very volatile and interesting year at the State House. Absolutely. I, I think that's the problem, and that's what I have mapped out in my columns and my series about this. There is no way that he can effectively do his job. He makes vital decisions, uh, some of them dealing with sexual harassment. How is someone who has... Who, had, who will not admit to wrongdoing, how was he supposed to go on doing his job? And then the fact that he has to work with these women um, and work around them, how are they going to be able to do their jobs? And of course, you now have the General Assembly crafting sexual harassment policy in the midst of all of this as well. Uh, what kind of a discussion do you think we'll see on that topic? And how much will this situation with the Attorney General and other recent stories about Speaker Bosma as well enter into that equation this year? Well, you know, some critics have said that the reason that they won't touch this is because Speaker Bosma has his own issues with some allegations. Um, I, it's very disappointing to me that Speaker Bosma characterized possibly impeaching the Attorney General as so much of a distraction. No, it's not a distraction. It's the right thing to do. All right, Suzette Hackney there in the Indy Star newsroom. You can read her series with the Curtis Hill accusers online at IndyStar.com. Thanks so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, we talked about Speaker Bosma there and some of the issues he has faced in the news. This week we did ask him about the calls for Hill's impeachment, those comments that we just referenced about it being a distraction. Here's what he had to say. It will be up to the members of the General Assembly to determine if uh, the facts on the table now warrant uh, that type of um, extraordinary treatment. I, I personally think probably not, but we'll see. I mean, my honest opinion on this is it'll be such a distraction. It would be all we did this session when we have important issues like school safety, uh, uh, safety of the most vulnerable uh, children in our state, um, and so many other workforce, so many other issues that have to be addressed. I think this would be an unneeded distraction personally. All right, as lawmakers were sworn in Tuesday on Organization Day, the House did re-elect Bosma to another term as House Speaker. 
Also Tuesday, there's State Representative Tim Brown. A nice moment on the State House floor as he received a standing ovation. As you know, he was seriously hurt in a motorcycle crash earlier this year. Speaker Bosma told lawmakers it will be a challenging session in terms of crafting the next state budget. Lawmakers return to the State House in January. Well, one of the topics that's likely to make news at the State House this year, hate crime legislation coming up. We'll talk about that issue after the break. Also, you'll hear what one Indiana senator is saying about U.S. relations with Saudi Arabia after the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. One of many controversies the White House is facing this week. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, time to bring in our panel now. Adam Wren is a contributor at Politico and Indianapolis Monthly and author of the Importantville Political Newsletter. Mike Murphy is a former Republican state lawmaker. Laura Beck, Democratic strategist. And Tony Samuel, 2016 vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign. What do you guys make of this moment at the State House? We were talking about earlier sexual harassment policy being written while you also have the accusations the attorney general is facing and his accusers very visibly making their voices heard at Organization Day. You know, the attorney general has tried to turn the page on this, um, but it seems like it's going to be a hard session for him to be able to do that. It doesn't seem like it's going to go away anytime soon. Uh, Speaker Bosma saying this week he thinks it would be a distraction if they were to proceed with anything in the realm of impeachment. We don't, we don't think that's likely, but what will this session be like in the general assembly? Well, I think the whole thing is just, it's, it's it's like a, uh, a cheap novel. I mean, you have the party, which apparently, the party leadership, I should say, and, and the, the party chairman and other people have kind of turned their back on, on Curtis Hill. They've, they've called him, for his resignation. They've given him his money back when he tried to buy tables for things. And then you have the Speaker of the House who's stuck there with his own allegations against him. He asked for a, a uh, ethics committee meeting, which to my knowledge never happened. He asked them to meet and report back by November 5th. I don't think that ever happened. And yet they put in all kinds of new rules yesterday about what happens if the speaker is accused of something. I think the whole thing is pretty bizarre. I don't have, if I knew how it was going to turn out, you know, I'd be a, a real expert, and I'm not. So, what did you make of what we saw? I, I cede my I cede my time to Mike uh, today. <laughs> I mean, you you just uh, I, no I mean it, it is it's fascinating to to observe it, and it's fascinating to watch it. I I don't think that I think it already is a distraction. I don't think we have to have any conversations about how this is going to be a distraction. We are at distraction point. And it's not going away because the Indianapolis Star is doing some really insightful uh, reporting on um, the view from the viewpoint of the victims, which really doesn't happen. Um, and we've had a lot of conversations sitting around this table around the Me Too movement. And I really believe that, but for Me Too, we wouldn't even be having these conversations and women would not be coming forward like this. And we spoke with Suzette Hackney about that right. earlier. Tony, yeah. you have defended the Attorney General. Uh, did, did he insert himself into this situation Tuesday uh, a, a bit too strong by holding the press conference there in front of everybody there who's, who's working at the State House that day? Uh, what did you make of it? I don't think so. Uh, like Adam said, he's trying to turn the page and he's been conducting business, the Attorney General's office as a business since the allegations came out in early July, since he was cleared maybe six weeks ago. Uh, he's been doing what he should, and this is one of those events where uh, many folks, many different groups, different uh, people that are trying to lobby and trying to be successful when the General Assembly starts at, 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 at full force in January, they have these kind of events, either at, on Organization Day or in the very beginning days of the legislative session. He had this plan for several months. Uh, and, and it was a crime prevention. It was a great thing. He brought in uh, law enforcement and different groups that are trying to prevent crime around the state. And he announced his 2019 legislative agenda. 
He had every right to do. It's a little unfortunate that these folks, the accusers, and remember, he was cleared of these charges, are now appearing unhinged uh, as far as I see it. Well, let's, let's, let's clarify a couple yeah. things here. Um, he was not clear of the charges. The special prosecutor said there wasn't the charge is not to, enough to evidence charge. to prove the charges. Just because he was, it was not enough to prove doesn't mean the charges were not true. It just says he couldn't prove them in a court of law. That's number one. Number two, I, I respect him trying to turn the page, but it's not working yet because he invited, he asked the Sheriff's Association members to come in mass and the Prosecutorial Association to come in mass and be there with him. They declined. Well, I think when you start referring to accusers as unhinged, I think you go down a dangerous path, um, especially because there, yes, there might be a court of law, but there's also a court of public opinion. And in the court of public opinion, I don't think he's winning right now. And so when you send a surrogate out, and I know you, you're not saying this on his behalf, but when you refer right. to people as being unhinged, um, that it, 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 it that goes down a dangerous path, and I think you have to be sure, careful but, about the choice but of Let words. me explain why. When, and you're right, there is a court of public opinion, but when you have someone from the Democrat Party handing out that IG's report at his event, being a distraction to a, 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 an event that had a good purpose to it, and then when you have a legislator yelling from the fourth floor, Who resign, was? resign, that's, that's one of the, And one so of what the you risk, the, you, what you mean, risk yeah. is that public opinion turning on those folks that, that made these allegations. But if you were inappropriately touched by him, then I think you may feel a little uncomfortable. And he's denied that, and, and we can argue sure, about whether he yeah. was cleared or not, but that special sure. prosecutor decided not to bring charges because Damn. he didn't think he could get a conviction. There was no judge and jury, and there was no opportunity. There hasn't been throughout this for anybody to cross-examine this accuser. We will discuss yeah. it more on our podcast as well. Now, along with the state budget, one of the big topics this year will be the issue of hate crime legislation. The governor has called for such a bill, but there could be a lot of wrangling behind the scenes about what to include, what not to include. Here's what legislative leaders had to say this week. And how the discussion takes place affects every Hoosier. And if this is a big knockdown, drag out, RIFRA-esque uh, discussion, it is not going to help anyone. And everybody's going to go to their corner and stand firm. Some hang-ups this year on the issue of gender identity, as we have seen in the past. As we have reported, Indiana is one of five states without specific hate crime legislation. Is that going to change this year? You know, I think a lot of it uh, comes down to the leadership of Governor Holcomb. Uh, in the first two years, he's been sort of uh, passive in terms of, uh, you know, letting lawmakers um, handle issues like this. Uh, he, this is a moment for him to spend some political capital if he's serious about it. And now he's calling for that hate crime bill. He has called it, but there are so many questions around this issue. Uh, that serious attorneys have, have mentioned that are, are significant. They suggest that it may be better to have it listed as an aggravator in a criminal case as opposed to a separate crime. Um, how, do you, how do you determine, hate? if, if right. you kill somebody, I mean, isn't killing somebody by its nature hateful? We will see how it all shakes out this year at the State House. Uh, we also need to talk quickly about some of the big stories this week in D.C. The president's legal team submitting written responses to questions from special counsel Robert Mueller amidst some new reporting. The president may have asked about investigating some of his political rivals. The president also facing some 
backlash for essentially siding with the Saudis, as some have described it, when it comes to the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The president saying there would be no new punishment for Saudi Arabia after American intelligence determined that the Indiana State grad's killing was ordered by the Saudi crown prince. In a statement on Twitter this week, Indiana Senator Todd Young, a member of the Foreign Relations Committee, said in part, those who would ignore or minimize the pattern of abuses by Saudi Arabia, including Khashoggi's murder, risk undermining their own credibility when speaking out about the very real human rights abuses in Iran. On another topic, another Indiana Republican kind of gently nudging the president this week on the issue of recent criticisms of, of not visiting the troops. Congressman Jim Banks said, I do believe it would be helpful to him to better understand the evolving threats in Afghanistan. If he saw the situation firsthand, he says he's going to encourage him to do so. Banks, a military veteran, just returned from a trip overseas with fellow lawmakers. And on yet another topic, yet another Indiana conservative, none other than Chief Justice John Roberts this week issuing a powerful statement calling out the president for his remarks blasting the courts. Roberts saying, we do not have Obama judges or Trump judges. What we have is an extraordinary group of dedicated judges doing their level best to equal right to those appearing before them. The independent judiciary says something we should all be thankful for. What do you guys make of some of these controversies this week and the pushback from some in the president's party? Well, I hope he listens to Senator Young and Representative Banks and Chief Justice Roberts. I really, I really hope he listens to them because um, Senator Young has really been an outspoken critic of the Saudis, and I mean, he's even gone so far to call the Crown, crown Prince um, Im, impulsive and reckless. And so he's is, is from a position of strength, really, to negotiate and to leverage the president and his folks to say, "Listen, you need to take a stronger standpoint on this, especially too with um, the Afghanistan issue." Quick reaction, Tony. We'll talk yeah, more on the podcast. Uh, everyone that's critical, uh, I'd like to see some uh, some plans, so, something that they're requesting of the president to do. Right now, he's taken the position where they are an ally. We need them to counter Iran in that in that area. Uh, so what else? He, he has placed sanctions on a lot of folks. Okay, much more still ahead and on our podcast. Up next, we go back to the state house where some think lawmakers could be on the verge of legalizing sports wagering in Indiana. But are they really willing to take that gamble? We'll take a closer look up next. Could the Colts and our state stand to benefit from legalized sports gambling, or is it too great a risk? It's a question that could come up at the Statehouse this year, and recently I spoke with industry leaders and with state lawmakers to see if it's a gamble they're willing to take. Could this Indiana casino soon be a much busier place? I think it's a win-win for everyone. And at Hoosier Park in Anderson, they're hoping to win big. Sports wagering would just be another wonderful amenity to have for the casino properties. After the casino industry won a victory in the courts, now they're hoping to parlay that win into another victory at the state house. What this does is it allows us as a state to offer sports wagering, where before we weren't allowed to. You can bet 5, 10, 20 bucks. Jason Logan is with Covers.com, an informational website owned by Tribune Media, focusing on the ins and outs of sports wagering. It's another level of fandom, much like fantasy sports. You know, you may be a Colts fan and you watch every Colts game religiously, but on your fantasy team, you have Antonio Brown. And so you have a little more interest in what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing that week, regardless of who they're playing. 
And that's basically what sports betting does too. It's, it opens up that opportunity to boost engagement, to boost audience, which is fantastic for the league. But could it really happen here? Not to be too cute here, but what are the odds this actually happens here in Indiana? So I'm hopeful. I think that there are a number of signs that demonstrate that Indiana might well have an appetite for sports wagering. That recent court decision allowing states to consider legalization now has lawmakers working quickly. I think there's been a lot of interest from legislators to say, hey, the Supreme Court ruled. Now let's look at this. If we don't do this. The accessibility and availability of gambling opportunities has increased exponentially over the past two decades. Nearly 13 percent of males who engaged in gambling reported negative consequences because of their gambling. And after the Pete Rose and NBA ref scandals involving betting, you might think there'd be opposition from league commissioners. But that's not the case. We're very focused on integrity provisions to protect um, our fans, to protect those who choose to engage and bet on the NBA. In fact, the NBA recently signed a deal with MGM and talked with Indiana lawmakers last session about including some provisions, which also allow the league to reap some of the benefits. The NBA and Major League Baseball both reached out to us last year and said they want to be a part of this conversation. That's a big step for our major sports leagues in this country. They've always obviously been very anti-sports wagering, so they understand that the climate has changed. In fact, a new study shows the NBA and MLB could see an additional $1.7 billion in combined revenue from legalized gambling. And if they get involved, the NFL could see $2.3 billion. So this could be good, you think, for the Pacers, for the Colts? I think it can be, and I think the place for that to happen is, one, through increased viewership. It can be a great boom to our professional sports leagues and, therefore, to the teams that we all love. There's a lot of sports wagering that occurs right now illegally, and so we are not creating a new industry, so to speak, but what we are doing is regulating an industry that is out there. This is a $200 billion industry that only about $5 billion of that is regulated. All right, coming up, we're picking this week's winners and losers in politics. Stick around. We'll be back after this. Time for this week's winners and losers, or who you think will be a big winner or loser this year at the State House. My winners are uh, veteran and elected officials like uh, Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, and Jim Banks from Fort Wayne, uh, who have protected our, our freedoms uh, on this week of Thanksgiving. All right, Mike. Winner at the State House, the gambling industry. They always get what they want eventually. Too much money involved. Laura. I'm going to go with Adam. Um, I agree with him completely, and I also think a broader is uh, a broader approach to our, our veterans for the service they do. Losers, Curtis Hill, he just can't dog this. Tony? Winner, it's the firefighters in California and emergency responders yep. everywhere. We're thankful for them. Been working hard. All right, we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Thanks for joining us. Hanging out with our panel here after the show, Adam Wren, Mike Murphy, Laura Beck, Tony Samuel. And we, we obviously talked a lot there about the Attorney General and what could happen this year at, at the State House. Uh, th this obviously is going to be a, a very visible fight here over the next few weeks and months. It's really hard for me to, to see how he turns the page on these allegations over the next couple of years. Uh, it, it, they just don't seem like they're going to go away. And yet, he's holding press conferences, he's doing the job of the Attorney General, continues uh, yeah, I mean, he has a right to do the job he was elected to do. I think, it, I think the timing of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce's, you know, uh, declaration, this office That was interesting this past week. We didn't get into that yeah. this week It's kind of silly, actually. It looks very politically tinged, even if that was not their intention. It looks bad. That'll never happen, at least in this environment. But, you know, you got to remember that, that Curtis Hill is about 
literally about one year away from announcing whether he's going to run for re-election, and Kyle Huffer, you know, on the other side, has one year to find somebody to take him out. And who knows who that'll be? I don't see anybody jumping right now, so who knows what happens? One year, as you know, a long way to go. A lot of former attorney generals who are still here in Indiana, like Greg Zeller or Steve Carter. Steve Carter. And I thought it was bizarre that Kevin Brenegger said we've had several attorneys general in a row who've gone off on their own and had their own agendas. I thought Zeller and Carter were yeah. both outstanding attorneys general for the for the people of Indiana. The attorney general, it is an elected position, mm -hmm. and actually in both of the last two elections, the attorney general uh, garnered more mm -hmm. votes than the, than the winning governor. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, just, a, just a little well, side note there, but in terms of making it a, an appointed position, mm -hmm. in both <laughs> recent cases, Zeller and Curtis Hill, the attorney general, Got more votes than the but It's easier to get rid of the attorney general because he is a he or she is a creation of the general assembly, a legislative act, whereas the school superintendent is a constitutional office. You'd have to have a constitutional amendment to get rid and of, of that. And of course, office. that is becoming an appointed position here. I've, I've had the great fortune or misfortune to uh, work on an attorney general campaign, um, and it's uh, <laughs> it's a pretty it, it's very interesting how closely watched those are, um, and and how um, uh, just how. People feel very strongly about that. Well, I mean, the yeah. the one whose campaign I worked on, um, she uh, lost by uh, just a very small percentage. Um, but her whole platform was um, closing the loophole on um, basically child predators in schools, essentially, who are volunteers. And it was came from a personal experience, and that I mean, that really resonated with people because they could see that the attorney general could do something about it. But you're right; we've had some very bipartisan and very thoughtful attorney generals over the years. And so, yeah, that was I that I could I didn't understand what that was all about. Isn't the joke that AG stands for almost governor? Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. That's a good yeah, one, right? It totally is. Now, mm -hmm. now, Tony, you have said in the past on, on this program. That, that you're not so sure that state Republicans will be successful at finding a new attorney general. You think he may be able to win a, a floor fight? He, he's getting a, He's getting, from what I'm hearing, he's getting a lot of support from conservatives, and those are the ones, as you, we all know, that are uh, the mm -hmm. participants uh, as delegates in the state conventions. He's getting a lot of support on this. Um, I think. I think. He's getting hammered here in the concentrated area of Indianapolis, but out around uh, the state, um, especially with conservatives and the Republican Party. He's got a lot of support. So I think it'll be tough to find somebody to take him on. Um, if, he, if he does and he comes through this okay, he'll be even stronger, uh, stronger than, than now, maybe not stronger when he was first elected. Um, but I think he'd be able to withstand a challenge at the state convention. The national uh, 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 general election uh, is a different um, game altogether. Um, but I did want to what make the point. Be a presidential election. Yeah. It will be a presidential, presidential election. election. He, he, not only uh, you were saying that him and Greg Zeller um, had more votes than the governor, but he's Curtis Hill in, this, in 2016 had more votes than any statewide ever in, in the history of our state. Senate Tony record. has a good yeah. point. I mean, yeah. you know, outside, outside the, the Indianapolis and the Donut counties, you know, for the two or three people in Indiana who do not watch In Focus every Sunday morning, <laughs> they, those the two or three people may not be aware of the whole Curtis Hills controversy. Your ratings gold, Mike. <laughs> ratings gold. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting year because there are a lot of big issues. You, mm -hmm. And and how Speaker Brian Bosma talked about that in in referencing 
that, in his words, this would be a distraction. There's always a distraction, right, at the State House uh, from some of the other core issues. But it is a budget year, so you've got that on the uh, up to be discussed. You've got obviously the hate crime legislation and a lot of really, really big issues this year at the State House. In addition to whatever happens here with all of this. Well, and we're talking about Curtis Hill, but then, you know, Speaker Bosma has his own distraction um, that's out there. So that could potentially crop up and really, you know, as you said, it reads like a cheap novel. And a couple of issues we haven't talked about. DCS needs money badly. Yeah. Um, the healthcare community is mm -hmm. pushing for a $2 cigarette tax, which I'm already right. hearing is going to be bargained down to about a dollar. Um, the governor needs money for DCS, yeah. for Medicaid. You've got and pacers. You've yeah. got the yeah. pacers, pacers, the Colts. Pacers yeah. You've got money pacers, in the, the Colts, yep. and Indy 11 thinking they're yeah. going to get hundreds of millions of dollars over many years, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Luke Kenley uh, coming out of retirement, who was opposed to a lot That's of That's interesting, because he always now, stood against yeah. that. He's now yeah. for it. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, there's so many things are going to be that could, any one of them could be the top issue of the year, really. And then you also have the all the different education um, stakeholders um, from the reformers to the union who are trying to work together and on a state teacher superintendent pay. who yeah. now no longer is tethered well, to running for re-election at a time wants. when you're trying to yeah. raise teacher salaries and and do something yeah. on school safety that yeah. is bad. School yeah. safety and as well. you've got yeah. a new chairman uh, of the Senate Education Committee for the first time in right. a decade. So it's right. fascinating to see how yeah. that, that plays a out. A new as House well. minority leader in place right. as well. It's going to be an inter interesting yeah, session. With, with also I should say and I, I wanted to pick him and I uh, it escaped me, uh, Tim Brown, as a winner. For yeah, the wasn't week. that fantastic? Yeah. And, and that nice was, that was yeah. great. And, and, um, but that'll, that'll make things a little right. different um, mm -hmm. with him being there, but also I think Todd Houston mm -hmm. kind of carrying the reins. And, uh, Speaker Bosma said he may even get more involved in the budget process than, than normal because obviously you have someone in Chairman Brown who's still recovering from a, from a serious injury, but it was nice to see yeah. uh, that moment there. Absolutely. He got a standing ovation on the floor and, uh, of the House on Tuesday. And then you had Adam Wren post on Twitter, you know, why don't we do a pool report? That, um, that went over pretty well. Didn't all it? Yeah. of the, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think it was a controversial, I didn't think it was a controversial I take. I you just got a lot of pushback. You know, for a, for a ceremonial media. event, largely ceremonial event like Org Day, you know, I just questioned whether disruptor, we three Adam. dozen people there covering it. I, at, uh, there's a lot, you know, I'm, by, by nature, I'm an enterprise reporter, and so I think enterprise reporting is better, you know, it was better and more important to the community than spot reporting. So I just, um, I'm glad just we got to my Twitter this app this morning right. when I was having my coffee, and I was like, "Whoa, Adam, what happened?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, Adam, we wish you uh, the very best. I don't know if Thank we'll you. have you back on before yeah. the birth of your first child That's coming right. soon, right? Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. I'm yeah. Very nervous and excited. Could happen any day now. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. And we tape this before Thanksgiving. Uh, this podcast segment, though, our show will air after Thanksgiving. Thankful for all of you for being oh, thank here. You. Thank, thank you. Thanks for having us. Your thank contributions you. to the discussion about Indiana politics. So we'll see you again next week in Focus. Thanks.